It's time to fire up the three-cylinder star drive, the show that sputters along, touring a galaxy of pop culture and fanboy fiction. And now, here are your hosts, Richard Coots and Roger Colby. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Three Cylinder Star Drive. I'm Roger Colby. I'm Richard Coots. Today, man, we're going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which if you haven't seen it by now, it's been a month, so mm-hmm. we usually so. give you guys a month before we start talking about something because, you know, we want it, we want you guys to have some time to view the film before we go and spoil everything, so. Yep, so, yeah, uh, you know, just heads up, spoiler alert yes. right now. Spoiler <laughs> alert, Okay. Uh, first of all, we want to plug uh, my books and stuff. I've written a few books. You can check me out on uh, Amazon.com, Roger Colby. Um, also, we have a Twitter handle. Um, uh, three, uh, the word three, word three, SCD. SCD, at, that's at. Yeah, at on Twitter. On Twitter. Okay. So, let's dig right into Guardians. Man. It's, I really loved it. Yeah, it's probably, I think it's probably the best Marvel film to date, I think. Yes, definitely, hands down. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it was at one point, I think it was like uh, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. It slipped to like 78, which I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, and there's like a lot of these Hollywood critics, which I don't really, I don't care much for them because they don't, nope. they're kind of uh, out of touch. But uh, they're a bit jaded. They're a bit jaded. Um, but uh, yeah, saying oh, this isn't as good as the first one. It's like yeah, this is way better than the first one. Yeah. Um, you know it, the tone emotionally. Uh, it's more. It's uh, the laughs. There's more laughs. Uh huh. Uh huh. You can't get enough of Baby Groot. Yeah. I mean the opening sequence where Baby Groot's like dancing around and they're all fighting the big monster is so funny. And my favorite character is back. <laughs> Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck Duck shows up. You know, Richard, we were sitting in the theater before it started. We were like, dude, I wonder if Howard the Duck's going to be in. And you're like, oh, no. They said he wasn't going to be in Yeah, Kevin Feige lied. (laughs) He lied to us. (laughs) But, yeah, he's in there. It's pretty cool, too. He's got lines. Yeah, he's well, he's got uh, one line. He says, you're out of luck until you go duck to the the space girl. So... (laughs) Classic yeah. Howard the Duck, so hidden, on other, hidden on other species. <laughs> okay. So, um, okay, so what we're going to do is uh, we talk about these films, we talk about things we've seen and stuff. We're going to start talking about like what worked as far as like what worked in the film or what worked in the story or novel or whatever it is we're talking about, and then what didn't. Um, and I'm going to talk about a little bit about the writing and like what I, way I see it as a writer, and so that's what we're going to kind of do from now on because um, I'm a writer and I write, so... Uh, I want to kind of talk about these things in terms of uh, writers. Some of you guys out there might be writers and trying to write books and stuff, and, you know, the only thing that's going to get your book written is bum glue and fingers moving. That's all I always, that's what I always say. So, okay, so what worked in Guardians 2, Richard? Uh, most everything. Uh, the humor. <laughs> yes. Uh, the humor, the writing, all the emotional beats in between, mm-hmm. the laughter, the jokes. Um there are some things, um, thinking about it now, probably doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> First up, uh, David Hasselhoff. So he knows David. <laughs> so he knows. Well, the but cameo, it was, it was hilarious. But, but uh, Peter, Peter Quill knows him from the 80s. But yeah. this is like, why does old, 
Why does old David Hasselhoff make an appearance? I mean, that's who he hey, knows. Yeah, because we made uh, we made uh, Kurt Russell young. Yeah, and, and what's and amazing was, is that was all makeup. It was all makeup. It was all makeup, yeah. not CG. Was it the the makeup artist that did his makeup for uh, Tango and Cash? Tango and Cash, unbelievable. Yeah, I mean because you know we've seen the um, Civil War scene uh-huh. with. Um, with uh, oh shoot, uh, uh, Downey Junior. and he's young and he's talking to his parents in the holographic yeah, world or whatever, and mm-hmm. that was CG. Yeah, it was all CG. But this was done all with makeup, and it is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, I couldn't believe it was done with makeup. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other is that uh, there are some story arcs in this that really pay off. Um, you know, you 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 would think that. The whole thing with the uh, with you know ego being his father would end up being kind of hokey and weird, and it is to some extent. It is kind of bizarre that a planet fathered a kid, but um, you, the way they do it um, visually and everything, mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense because he's basically created like a facsimile, human facsimile that represents ego and has his mind and everything in it. Um, in Kurt Russell, so it it it, it does make sense. Um, now, okay, so great movie, excellent action, all the, all the, you know, pretty much every firing on all cylinders, not just three, okay. Uh, what, what didn't work? Was there anything that didn't work? Um, can we, can we criticize the movie? I have a hard time criticizing it, but like I said, it's just this is just nitpick, nitpicking that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, okay, so Sylvester Stallone is in this movie. Yeah. Well, this is set in the MCU. Well, in Captain America, Civil War, he's got, like, this list of all this music and movies he's got, he needs to listen to. One of them is Rocky. Yeah. Well, if <laughs> Sylvester Stallone is up there in space, who is Rocky in, right. in the MCU? That's yeah, true. I don't know, man. Maybe it's a, a, a Sylvester Stallone lookalike or something. Yeah, I don't You know how certain people sort of look, you know, like, okay, so Connor and I went to see Red Hot Chili Peppers, right? Uh-huh. Okay, so Chad Smith, the drummer of Red Hot Chili Peppers, looks exactly like Will Smith. Or oh. Will, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Will Fer- he looks exact. I mean, he is a spitting image of Will Ferrell. And they've actually had drum-offs and stuff to, like, raise charity money and stuff for charity and stuff. Like, different, different drummers have come and been part of it. So there are lookalikes, so I can see that. But um, I, I'm, I really have found a hard time finding anything wrong with this movie because mm-hmm. it's just so good. I mean, it's... They they hit on all the notes. I mean, you they don't leave anything unanswered. They do have some questions at the end, like where's this going to go now, and how are we going to feed into um, you know the Infinity War? Because there's really not much about the Infinity War at all in this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just kind of a side story almost. Um, but I will have to say that there's one really really good part of this film, and that is the character of Yondu played by. Michael oh yeah, Walker. best line in the entire movie. I- I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> but um, from a writer's standpoint, um, what I love about... I always love characters that start off as really terrible people uh, that you hate, and then at the end of it, you really love them or you feel really um, bad for them. You know, you feel you feel sympathy for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Yondu is one of these characters because at the, in, in the first Guardians film... Yondu is like that villain that's kind of like, you know, yeah. you, you kind of laugh at him a little bit, you know, and he's, but then he's just a bad dude, you know, he's yeah. really kind of a bad guy. 
And you don't see him like you do in Guardians 2. And what I love is that the writers have taken this character and you see the arc that's that's happened uh, with Yondu going from being this kind of jerk guy. He's like a, you know, you can kind of rely on him. He's not really that reliable. Um, He kind of helps him out at the end of the first Guardians film a little bit. Um, But in the end, I mean, the very last of this movie... I was just in tears at the end of that mm-hmm. when Yondu reveals, you know, you you had a you had a father, but you you know I was your dad, you know it, and um, that was really powerful. Yeah, for me. I was starting to choke up. I was like, "There's other peoples around. <laughs> oh, Swallow it, Richard." Listen, I Swallow saw it, it twice, and I have no shame. I cried both times. I mean, I really did. I was just really drawn into well, that. Well, the second, the second time I saw it, I went to see it the second time too, a single tear slipped out but I, <laughs> but it was still dark in the Choked theater. It back. Yeah. Rain in the, rain in the emotion, Vulcan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. The, the, but, you know, at the end of the Ravager funeral, the oh, only man. part, that was a really emotional beat and then it was suddenly kind of ruined by James Gunn's character. He goes, Bleh! Yeah. And it was like, kind of, kind of took the wind out of it. Yeah, a little bit. But I want to, uh, referring to Yondu, I want to try and coin a phrase here for this kind of thing with a character arc where you find out they're not very good people, but then it turns out they loved this certain character all along. I want to call it pulling a snape. <laughs> pulling a snape. Pulling a snape. That's it. In, 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 script, in script writing, pulling a snape. Pulling a snape. So uh, if you want to you listen, it's probably the most popular thing right now. And so... Try to do it in your book until, or your screenplay until, you know, it becomes not popular anymore. It's like cliche. You know, like, for a long time, um, there for a short-lived while, it was like, strong female heroine, you know, uh, and which I think is great, and we need to be doing that more often, but uh, it got to where it was like, I mean, you had Mad Max Fury Road, and then you had, you know, Force Awakens, and you got... Uh, uh, Rogue One, and you know, so it's a woman who doesn't need a man to save her, you know, kind of thing, which is cool. Listen, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, I absolutely love that that paradigm. Uh, I really love it, that trope. But um, otherwise, you know, this thing, this uh, pulling a Snape, I think maybe it, it might be around a while because I mean, good grief, Harry, it's good enough for Harry Potter, mm-hmm. good enough for pretty much anybody else. All right, so our dollar rental of the week is. A movie called Singles. It's not a it's not a sci-fi film, kids. So, but however, um, with the loss of Chris Cornell uh, last couple weeks ago, um, this film has kind of resonated with me again. I've kind of gone back and watched it again. Um, the film is by Cameron Crowe. He wrote and directed it. It stars Bridget Fonda, um, and. And uh, it's got Matt Dillon in it. But more importantly, it's a film set in Seattle right at the cusp of the whole grunge movement. And it has um, musicians that were in that kind of early beginnings of the grunge movement in the film kind of making cameos. And you don't really know who they are unless you know who these these bands were. Um, and it's even before these people became famous, really. Um it's set. It takes place in '92. It's when the film was made. Um, I think they made it in '91, and then it it, it came to theaters in '92. Um, but in the film, Chris Cornell has kind of a couple of cameos. One, he plays a mime in the film, 
uh, and most people don't know that he's the mime because he's not even credited as the mime. But there's this mime in the film that kind of is central to the message of the film, uh, and he spouts some things out, like at the beginning of the film, and he's sitting in the back of a car, and it's this mime, and he's spewing these things out about, you know, life and what it is to be single in the early 90s and all this stuff. Um, he kind of captures that grunge angst, um, not to mention the fact that, you know, bands like Alice in Chains are in the film. Um, Eddie Vedder plays uh, drummer um, in Matt Dillon's band, um, his fledgling band. He's trying to get off the ground. and um, Basically, it's just a film about, you know, being single in that era you know, and what it's like to be single. Um, what's great about the film is that it has this kind of, uh, you, you really get to see a slice of what it was like to live back then um, in that grunge era at the beginning of it. Uh, and it's a really good film. Um, it's kind of a rom-com, you know. It's, it's, it's not as funny as some rom-coms are. Um, it's more, it's almost dark in a lot of ways and kind of way that grunge movement was was kind of dark and um nihilistic um but you know it's it's got a really cool uh message to it and that's you know that life is going to go on it doesn't really matter if you don't find that perfect person you know um and it was it's kind of looks at looks at that whole dating scene is in a kind of sardonic way um but what's really crazy about it is you get to see all these uh, these grunge artists before they were anybody um, in a film. Um, also, certain certain characters pop up in this. Bill Pullman has a small part as a plastic surgeon. Um, uh, good grief. Uh, Paul Giamatti has a bit part as a guy making out with a girl in a bar. So... I don't know, Richard. It was kind of like one of those movies that defined a generation, kind of like Breakfast Club did in the '80s. Richard, is there a movie that uh, defines your generation? Because you're of a younger generation mm. than myself. Um, there are parts of this film that I don't like about it, but I think, uh, even though it's really out there, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. <laughs> Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, yeah, I really agree. I think it does capture your generation because it's that video game. Mm kind of generation that, you know, kind of angsty, you know, uh, yet optimistic kind of, you know, <laughs> um, film. So, uh, but yeah, uh, go check out Singles just kind of if you if you know who uh, Chris Cornell was. If you don't know, then you need to go check out his music. He has a very beautiful uh, uh, solo album called uh, Higher Truth. Um, it's all acoustic music. It's just beautiful it's a great album and and uh, many of the songs are written to his family and his daughters um so you ought to check it out so uh next week we're going to talk about since it's out on blu-ray uh finally and there's a kind of a special blu-ray edition of it we're going to talk about logan next week and we're going to break it down we're we'll talking about daphne keen and all that so uh tune in next week until then i'm roger colby i'm richard coots Thank <laughs> you.